Hello, everybody, and welcome back to making an arse and all of myself. Something I'm sure I've done quite a bit so far and will certainly be sure to do even more in the future. Perhaps today on this here episode. Welcome back. I'm happy to be here. It is Monday, the first weekday workday after the Saturday morning game against Burnley. So I'm proud of myself for sticking to this schedule. Kind of didn't want to because, you know, uh, that way that game went was, was, oh my gosh. But hey, it's the Arsenal we're talking about. And that's just the way things go here. We love them. Sometimes they drive us nuts, but hey, it's just the way it goes. Sports fandom in a nutshell. Arsenal fandom in a nutshell. We're used to it. We love it. We don't love it, but we love them. We love talking about them. I know I do. So, today's podcast episode, uh, we're going to do our plot holes, but, twisty-roo, I'm going to switch up my the way I do the plot holes, because I don't really like the way I've been doing them, necessarily. I like the concept, but I don't like the way I've been doing it, so I'm going to switch it up, do a little... Do a little uh, adjustment. Hopefully that goes well. We'll find a rhythm. Don't worry. And then after that, we'll take a quick peek at the table. And then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll round her out with a... Am I the arse? And I'm... I'm oh. Stick with me, folks. It's okay. We'll round her out with a nice... Am I the arse question? I have one uh, that involves the Premier League as a whole, not just Arsenal, but very topical to the game against Burnley. So, without much further ado, I hope everybody's recovered from the weekend affair as best they can. If you have, join me for this plot holes ride. Let me know what you think about the new format. So let me cue up the old sound effect and we'll get into it. Okay, so plot holes Arsenal v Burnley. A Saturday morning 7.30 game that I was probably going to sleep through if my dog didn't wake me up. But hey, Dogs are a man's best friend, right? She woke me up to go outside at, oh, I don't know, 7.25, We go outside. I come back in, and Bummy Yang scored. So that was awesome. Would have been fun to see. But hey, who doesn't love taking their dog outside, coming back in and seeing Arsenal up one nothing in the first six minutes? I know I do. Uh, That was where the fun pretty much ended, though. So, uh, as things went frustrating from there, 
until the final whistle in a 1-1 draw that should have been a, like, I don't know, could have easily been three or four to one or zero. So let's get into the recap. I The twist, the change, the adjustment from before the previous episode's plot holes. I was just kind of running the game through some key moments and some things I saw. I don't know. Like, there's a hundred podcasts out there for Arsenal that are just going to do the same thing I'm doing. Plus, I'm recording these usually a day or two after the game, so, like, you know the game. You know, if you're an Arsenal fan, which I assume you are listening to this, you know. So I don't really want to run through exactly kind of like a recap situation. You can you can do that yourself. What I want to do uh, is plot holes... Look at the themes. Look at some themes we've noticed. Some trends we've seen along the way. And uh, discuss how those trends played out in this game. And if we've seen any new trends develop. We'll still give our plot hole score, because I think that's fun. I don't know. You never hear a 1 being good and a 10 being bad. So I'm going to keep that. Sounds like a fun way to kind of wrap up the segment. And yeah... So, we're still going to look at, you know, a lot of the holes. There's a lot of the trends are, are negative. But some of the trends are good. So, that's what I want to do with these games from now on. And we'll see how this format takes us. If you have a preference after today or the, first, the next couple. Uh, compared to a straight up recap where I talk about key moments and things I notice. Let me know. I'm sure I can probably balance both. But for now, we're going to run this. In fact, we're being honest... I'm sure talking through the themes, I'll talk about the key moments. So. Anyway, plot holes, Arsenal versus Burnley. Like I said already, trend number one was a worrying trend indeed. As we've seen over and over, Arsenal concede goals in the first couple minutes. First five, ten minutes. Whether that be the first five, ten minutes of the game the first five, ten minutes of the second half, or the last five, ten minutes of the first half. Uh, They've been a lot better about not giving up goals at the end of games, but, um, yeah, it was a trend for sure, seeing goals in the first couple minutes, and a worrying trend indeed. But hey, this here game against Burnley, they flipped the script, which was awesome. Instead of seeing the opposition come out and score early and put Arsenal at a disadvantage quickly where they'd have to play from behind, Arsenal, in fact, flipped that and did that to Burnley. Scoring within six minutes a well-worked team goal. Party to everybody's favorite Arsenal player, Willian, who just smartly feeds Aubameyang does a couple step-overs, and what do you know, short side, like he did against Leeds for the opener. A fun time indeed, and it looked like Arsenal were going to run away with it. Certain. One goal, six-minute mark, which is when Arsenal have been the weakest. So you think if they're past where they've been weakest and they make that a, a, a positive, things are going up. Well, 
we forgot about the rest of that trend, the second part of that trend, which is conceding goals late in the half. A trend we saw at Wolves, a trend we've seen uh, before. So, a couple of other times where, you know, they just seem to switch off and don't quite finish out the half the way they ought. And it came back to bite them, well, yet again. As Granit Xhaka is everybody's second favorite Arsenal player. Uh, you know, just made a bad pass. Wrong decision, I think. And his pass intended for, I believe it was David Luiz. Karams off of the Burnley striker and into Burned Leno's net for a for a, a one to one scoreline. Uh, talking about this, I saw a lot of chitter chatter on Twitter, where I frequent the most during games and after games, uh, about this falling a lot on the Burned Leno and. And, you know, oh, Granite's back. He's made his dumb mistake of the the month or whatever they say. Let's be honest with each other. Granite's been phenomenal lately. Just, I, I mean, incredible. He's been, he's played like 13 games straight, 90 minutes each game, which is crazy. He's had like three different midfield partners, but the constant's been him. He's had some great games. And I feel like it's easily overlooked because of the performances of Sokka and the attackers. Uh, But give the guy his props, you know? And in this game, I mean, it was, let's be honest, nobody's best. And here's the other thing I want to say. Playing out from the back the way Arteta wants you're going to get that stuff. You know? They've had scary moments like that before. It just didn't result in opposition goals. And so we kind of like forget about it. Like, oh, lucked out there, but oh, it's okay. Think about all the times we've scored great goals from playing out from the back. In fact, I believe the first goal where Aubameyang scored played out from the back similar to that. Watched a highlight in case you guys are like, boy, you missed it. You're out with your dog. I watched a highlight, guys. It's okay. Um, yeah. The system Arteta wants drives what both Leno and Xhaka did there. I saw a lot of Leno, you know, what's he doing giving it to Granite in that situation? Couldn't he see the, the, the press that was on him? How many times, uh, like... You watch a game, right? And this is truly where, like, the fan side of me comes in. Because, you know, I understand the tacticalness of what they do there. Draw the defenders in. You get that pass that cuts the press. And you're out, right? By Granite coming back, you're drawing the defenders. The press, right? Leno hits to Granite. And either Granite cuts it through to Louise. And bang, you're out of there. Or back to Granite, Leno to Granite. Granite doesn't have a pass. Back to Leno, 
and Leno can either just simply clear his lines and bang it out of there, or Leno's got a better angle. I get the I get the gist, and by and large, it works. Today, well, Saturday, it just didn't work. You know, granted, instead of touching it back to Leno, which in my opinion is the play there. Okay, well, what he did wasn't the play there. But you just touch it back to Leno, and Leno clears. Leno says, okay, well, you're right. We're not cutting this. The press is on. Let's, let me just kick ball this out of here. Which I think is fine. I saw the, the Leno, like, why didn't Leno just clear it first instead of passing it to Granite? Those holding midfielders, the way they play, from what I've seen, the style is those center backs go wide to give Leno the wide pass. And one of the holding midfielders drops down that center and asks for the ball at his feet. Now, sure, Leno can say, no, the press is right there. I'll just hoof it. But if Byrne thought, well, Granite's right there, I feel Granite's got enough that if he feels, I'm still here. So I don't see the true, like, bad decision from Leno. Because like I said, all else fails. Granite says, ah, yeah, just touch this back to Burned, and then he can huff it, which is fine. And, and, you know, to me, that was the play. Or Granite makes a better play, which oftentimes, so oftentimes, they, he or whomever it is, Elneny or Ceballos or Partey, whatever makes that play like 98 times out of 100 maybe more maybe 99 this just happened to be the one and unfortunately happened to result in a goal I'm so I can't I mean I don't know I have a hard time getting on Leno too much and at the end of the day I have a hard time getting on Xhaka too much you know bad pass whatever it happens But hey, maybe that's why I'm the fan, not the coach, not the players. That's how I saw it. And I'm sure against Olympicos or Tottenham, we'll see it again. And it'll work better. Heck, Arteta's post-match press conference, they're like, what'd you think about the Granite Burnley goal thing? And he was like, eh, you know, the way we play, that's just sometimes going to happen. You know, and everybody's all, why didn't Burn just hoof it? We cleared it long earlier, and they had their best chance of the game. So, you know, can't win with these people. But that was that. Two trends that I've noticed in the past and how they've progressed to this game. A third trend uh, that I wanted to discuss in relation to this game Lack of finishing in the final third, in the goal box. Goals. Can't score goals, guys. Don't know if you've noticed this. (laughs) I'm sure you have. Arsenal have a hard time finishing good chances. Now, I understand you're not going to finish every chance. It's just not realistic. I get that. In fact, late in the game, Burnley had a really good chance. Brickwall Leno said, no, you're not going to convert every time. And that's okay. 
uh, it becomes a problem when you've got three, four, five big chances and you don't convert any of them. Then it becomes a worrying trend, which is trend number three in this plot holes recap. Because listen, we we saw it against Benfica, and, and I don't want to harp too much on all this because I feel like maybe I'm running a little long. Oh, motorcycle. We're getting nice weather. Let's go, buddy. Maybe I'm running a little too long on this segment here. I don't think I am. But still, I don't want to harp on the previous games because I've discussed those. You can you can listen to those if you want. But like the Benfica games, the, the chances were there. There's no way they should have been in that stress position at the end. And everybody knows it. Pundits. The team. Me. Probably you. We all saw. We all know. Arteta, he knows. He said it. So, uh, the trend continues. Because Arsenal in that first half, as the game went on, had a number of chances. I think Sokka had like two. He, he could have scored on. Aubameyang had one. I think there were chances. Even at the end of the game, 90th minute or whatever, and, like, the ball's pinging around the box and Ceballos hits the post. Like, I mean, tough. It's tough. Not not knocking. Obviously, I couldn't do it. I'm not there. But, uh, yeah, for the level that Arsenal expect to be at, you would imagine. They convert one of those, two of those. And put the game away earlier. Because if you put the game away earlier, that Jaka goal doesn't mean anything, really. Because Burnley... That wasn't even Burnley. You know? I've seen this float in social media. The the team beating Arsenal so often is Arsenal. And yeah. Yeah. Well, golly, it is. And this game Saturday was no exception, so... Worrying trend three, or trend three, it just happens to be worrying. Lack of finishing continues. They'll need to, uh, to turn that around with this stretch of games. What do they go, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, I think? With that Sunday game being the North London Derby? Oh, boy. We have a fun three-game stretch coming. And they're going to need their finishing boots. And they've got ten games in the Premier League left. In the Europa League, I don't know. I think they're just going to have to figure it out, guys. Figure it out. Obviously, easier said than done, but that was trend number three. The three biggest trends that I can that I had and want to talk about, especially in relation to the game, because they all fit. You know? I think another trend that I've seen is the substitution pattern, which I, I kind of agreed was a little weird. Uh, Arteta gets a lot of... I think people kind of agree maybe that one of his biggest... Not flaws, but like things he needs to just learn because he hasn't been a manager is substituting when, who, and... I don't know. I'm sure that's a tough thing to do as a new manager. Especially in the pressure-filled situation of being at Arsenal the way that it is. So yeah, I get that. He's never been a manager, really learned under Pep, obviously, but, and I'm not worried about that, for being honest, he's been on the job for, like, over a, 
just over a year, so I, I mean, cut the guy some slack, guys. Jeez. The subs did confuse me a touch. Um, pulling Odegaard for Lacazette, I didn't understand fully in the context of this game. I think broad context with Smith Rowe being hurt and a very, very important week, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday. I think you rest Odegaard because you want him fresh for those games instead of this one. But in the context of this game, which obviously, like I just said to me, is probably unfair to do, it's tough to pull the most creative player and put him in there with a striker in a center midfielder role. You know, you look and I saw some, some charts and some stuff going around that the ball progression after they took Odegaard out was not good. Like from the like when he when he came out at like the I don't know, it was around the 60th minute or something. All the way up to whenever they put the pressure on at like the 85th minute, there was like nothing. And I think a lot of that comes with Artigard. But again, I suspect that was a look to the future sub where you want to keep him a little more fresh for these games coming up. And can I blame him for that? Like no, right? Because outside of Odegaard and Smith-Rowe, you don't have much in that position. Which, for the way Arsenal have been succeeding, you need somebody like those two in that position. So, uh, overall, not mad about it. Was a little questionable, but I think he gets a pass. And then obviously, people were confused about the Pepe not starting over Willian, but hey to me Arteta's got a plan, and he's got a way of working that I'm sure Pepe and Willian both understand you know, probably it's a little frustrating to Pepe in the sense that like, he wants to play and he's been playing really well so, tough to get dropped, I agree but Again, a crazy three-day, three-game stretch, three games in a week coming up. And you're going to need all these guys. So, we'll see. Um, Yeah. You guys might be wondering, are you going to talk about the VAR situation with Pepe and the handball? (laughs) Yeah. Duh. It was like the biggest thing to come out of this game. Including Granite's pass. Right? Because you get the penalty and they score and then Granite's little thing doesn't matter, really. It becomes a whoopsie-daisy, sorry guys, instead of what it was. Well, we're going to talk about VAR in a broader sense and match it with the Pepe thing in our Am I the Arse question of the day. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we do that, let's take a quick look around the league and pop into our table watch. Bam, that beautiful little sound you guys heard is table watch time. So, uh, today's Monday, which means I have the benefit of seeing how the other games of the weekend played out. And I'm going to say, not great. 
not great. Dropping two points against Burnley was an obvious misstep in our race for European football. So we see Arsenal stuck in 10th place at 38 points. A real sad moment for us all. Arteta even admitting 10th is not good. Not where we can be, not where we should be, not where we expect to be. And in the words of Arteta, what can we do better? I don't know, passing, shooting, scoring, and defending, and everything in between. So, table time. Fourth place, Chelsea. I saw that they won today against Everton 2-0. Boy, the Tuchel appointment really turned them around. And I don't like it. I wish they weren't doing better, but only for me. For Chelsea fans, this has got to be great, right? But not so for me, and that's what this is about. The only part of me that's really sad about the whole Chelsea thing, not a Chelsea pod, but real fast, I'm an American, so the whole Pulisic thing, I'm sad about. Get him back in there, Tuchel. He's better. Then the other guys you're playing, come on. Get him in. Anyway, that's enough of that. Um, back to Arsenal, which is where why we're here. Arsenal and Chelsea, oh, a solid lot of points different. A lot of point difference. I think, um, you know, the really sad part is I looked at this before I started this podcast, and I genuinely forget where they're at. I did see West Ham was winning, so I think they're going to pop back up to fifth, I or whatever, sixth. I think Tottenham's the sixth. Whatever it is, Arsenal are like game in hand, mind you. Um, a lot of points out. Uh, I think they're eight from top. Oh no, I think they're ten from top four and a, eleven from. I'm sorry. <laughs> a goof that one. They're ten from top six. Eleven from top four. Sounds about right. I <laughs> could be wrong in making a full... Oh, wait, oh, my gosh, maybe I just made an arse of myself. Oh, my gosh. Probably did. Anyway, uh, certainly wasn't the first time. Won't be the last. Like I said before. So, yeah, they've got a lot of way to go. And about 10 to 11 games to do it. So, you keep dropping points like you did versus Burnley, and you're going to not make it. Plus a lot of teams around you. Like, this has been my thing the whole time. So, can we just take a minute to say West Ham? What the frick? When was West Ham good? It's crazy. Flip that. Liverpool, you guys okay? I know the injury bug is, like, mad crazy over there. So, like, I really can't even judge them too hard. Because, like... Every center back they have is hurt. Which is pretty nuts, though. But, yeah, wow. Lost to Fulham, huh? Tough. Even with all the injuries, still tough. But, hey, that's soccer for you. It is what it is. So, yeah. Table watch is ugly. And, um, yeah. I'm a little nervous for this Tottenham game because like Tottenham's back to being good again so not a fan of that 
like they don't have an American on their team for me to say like that's fun so it's just all around not great the Tottenham thing so yeah if they could uh, not do what they've been doing against Arsenal that'd be cool and if Arsenal could do better that'd also be cool so three points are a must from just about here on out I, I don't think they're making anything if they drop too many but uh, I guess that's why we watch so that's been your table watch for this week come back next Monday after we take on Tottenham I was going to say take all three points for Tottenham then I don't want to look stupid to the one person that's been listening and to the many more that will come back and listen to this to wonder how I got my start but yeah table watch thanks guys and now we're gonna move on to uh am i the arse so let me cue up the old sounder root okay am i the arse i said i was gonna uh talk about var and bear b-a-r and uh yeah so today's question brought to you by me dan making an Arsenal podcast ad for my own show that you're listening to. So, uh, yeah, today's question. Should uh, the Premier League keep or get rid of VAR? Oh, my gosh. Traffic Central here, which is fine for me because it's the other way but I've got a journey back later on tonight so whoa anyway yeah so should we keep VAR we being the Premier League obviously are we scrapping this because look it's not working yeah you're going and looking and you're getting some calls correct so in that sense, it's working. Um, but let's be real with each other. <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's not working. Take this Arsenal game, for instance. Just this one Arsenal game. The Pepe dribbling around in the box. The defender... It's the most blatant thing I've seen in a really long time. Arm so far away from his body that you can't even, like, say, well, it was against his body, so... uh, No. Go, are you... I mean, this arm is, like, almost parallel with the ground. That's as far away from your body as you can get. He wasn't quite parallel, but oh my gosh. Was he close? That's so far away from your body. And did it affect the path of the ball? Yeah. Obviously. When Pepe kind of like does that thing where he pops it up or whatever. I don't think it was super intentional, but it it was going to come over the defender's leg. And it was going to fall to Pepe in an attacking manner past the defender. 
that's how I saw it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just crazy. But I don't think so. The ball ricochets in a way Pepe's not expecting, falls to their feet, and the defender gets it. Are you telling me that's not a penalty? Handball in the box? And they didn't even VAR check it? Get the... What the... Guys? Guys? Are you serious? And then later... So, like, obviously, wrong call, right? I think we can all agree. And even if you're trying to... Whoa, actually, get out of here. If that was your team, you'd be like, dude, that was the most handball thing I've ever seen. We all know as fans. Well, actually, yeah, you're only saying that because it didn't happen to your team. That happens... Oh, by the way, Manchester United fans. That happens against Chelsea. Let's just hypothetical that, huh? Let's say that happens against Chelsea and it hits a player's hand, you know, in the box. Totally making this up. That didn't happen at all. You don't get a penalty from it. Wouldn't you be torqued? (laughs) Yeah. Because, oh, uh, yeah, that did happen and you were torqued. So, anyway. Penalty. And then, later in the game, Arsenal, you know, go to score... And uh, it hits the defender, admittedly, in the shoulder, so props to him. Referee comes, says handball, throws him the red. Penalty. I mean, VAR checks and, admittedly, gets it correct. Yeah. Yeah. So no no, no penalty to Arsenal. And the guy gets to stay on the field. You tell me that VAR not being there changes the outcome. We had one bad call where they didn't give a penalty, right? But that's not VAR because they didn't even check. So if you take VAR out of the question, obviously it stays as a no handball, no penalty. If we have taken VAR out of the equation in my hypothetical here, then Arsenal get the handball with the red card in the 80-somethings minute. And they get that penalty that they should have had before. And the game has evened itself out. Right? Arsenal hopefully score. And I would imagine Burnley could appeal that. Right? After the game. They say, listen, it hit his shoulder. Can we at least rescind the red card? I, I like I would imagine they could, right? And if they get the red card rescinded, we're in the same spot. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bad. We got us a bad traffic problem, friends. Uh, so if you don't mind me, I'm just going to do a quick pray everything's okay up there because yikes. Oh, nobody likes to see that. So, so everything's all right with them. Um, hey. Hope everything's okay. See you guys. I'm going to do the detour that you told me to do. So, yeah. A lot of traffic today. A lot of, a lot of accidents. I wonder what that's about. Anyway. 
for anybody wondering why I don't cut these like thoughts out of my podcast. Guys, it's unfiltered. Just the way you want it. Just the way you like it. I'm just gonna... Okay. Okay. Anyway. Unfiltered. Unfiltered Dan. Best kind. The charm of this podcast is I'm doing it in my car, so I want to give the full experience. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. You've taken VAR out of this Arsenal game. And the game has kind of corrected itself, right? Arsenal get the penalty. Almost certainly, I I would imagine, Burnley gets to rescind that red card. And there you go. You put VAR in. Not only do Arsenal not get the first penalty, they don't get the second one. Yeah, good driving, brother. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dear. This back alley thing that we were all doing here is not the way to go. Um, so, yeah. I think you see a ton of examples like this, too. Like, in so many other games, VAR, at least in the Premier League, just doesn't seem to be working. So, keep or scrap. I say VAR, in its current form, gets a big scrap. Now, I'm not advocating for getting rid of VAR and staying rid of VAR. I think you bring in a new version. Uh A new version, you see. Of VAR that... uh Uh-oh. Is this guy gonna... No? Gee, FedEx... So this version of VAR brings... Oh, my God. Totally didn't see it. My bad, dude. Uh, Like the Australian way, if you've seen those videos, fantastic, where the refs are plugged in and you can hear them. Right? Right? You can hear the thought process. You can hear the decision-making. And that holds everybody accountable. Because there's no accountability here. I'm I'm not in the minority with this. And perhaps you've heard so many people rail against VAR that you're like, dude, we didn't need you to say this. But I've got to say it. Right? I've got to because it's nuts. Why aren't the Premier League people discussing this? And the offsides thing? Bro, why are we millimetering it? I thought it was supposed to be clear and obvious. That's not the way the rule's written. That's not... Okay, thank you. I will turn. The way things ought to be. So, I don't know. I think they're overcomplicating things where they don't need to be overcomplicated. And I think it's just a big old mess. And I think Arsene Wenger, Papa Wang's, has it right. Adjust the offside rule. Make it like the most, you got to be blatantly offside. Yeah, do that. That's cool. I'm in on that. I'm in on that. And like, I don't know. I think changes need to be made. So I say, scrap this current version, but 
bring in something better because, dude, it's so bad. So bad. Anyway, let me know. Twitter, at Making an Arsenal. I tweeted my last episode out. I'm proud of myself. Not right away, but I did. It's out there. So there you go. I'll tweet this one, too. You can hold me to that. So, um, that's going to be it for today. I liked the way this podcast went some more than some of the other ones. So let's let's try this again uh, Friday, huh? Hopefully after a smashing victory against now dreaded and rivals in the Europa League, <laughs> Olympicos, where we get to see our friend Socrates and the team that vanquished us last year. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I enjoyed doing this. Take care, everybody. Hope you all stay safe. God bless. And until we see each other again, well, you haven't seen me technically. So until we hear from each other again, this has been Dan. Hopefully I haven't made too much of an arse of myself. And goodbye. See ya.